You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. And what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Thomas Grant's erotica. on a Tuesday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in... (laughs) Sorry. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. I'm just like, <laughs> What are we laughing at? Uh, Laddie okay. taking a bath yesterday? There's that. <laughs> we had a back I take, and- I take one or two baths a year. I'll admit it. We had a back and forth during the break. Where a week. We, we were talking about... <laughs> a year. <laughs> this is... This, <laughs> we had... <laughs> He's a bath in a book guy. <laughs> if you think the show is discombobulated and jumps all over the place, the breaks, we just condense it down to like two and a half minutes. of. Yeah. So the, it started with the fact that my phone case broke. So now my phone is without a case. So then Andy says, as a former cell phone salesman, that gives me anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know I'm I'm walking a tightrope without a wow. here. Like, I'm going to break this phone. For sure. There's no protective case on it. Mm-hmm. Then Laddie said, oh, yeah, my phone stopped working last night because I dropped it in the tub. <laughs> and then we said, wait, were you taking a bath? And then he said, yeah, because I had a tummy ache. <laughs> what, are we going to lie to you guys? Like, come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I said, Stop that sounds cake. like captain material. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard-nosed attitude and approach you need is when you have a tummy ache is to take an Epsom salt bath. I had a friend that during the 2011 playoffs, he would get so stressed out, he would go take a bath during the games. Yeah, like I know had it's soothing. Had a friend. Why and, then, had and then I almost added on the anecdote that I've gone up to <laughs> Pender Harbor in consecutive summers with a buddy who has twice jumped into the water with his phone in his pocket. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know those. Guys. Like you'd think, yep. the when it happens once, it's like that's it's probably not yeah. going to happen I had again. A, actually, one of my bandmates multiple times jumping into lakes with your phone in your pocket. Yeah, it doesn't even think about now, it. To, is he wearing his clothes or something? What, yep. is, there, is there no pre no jump he, routine? No, or? get out of a sweaty, smelly van after an eight-hour drive, and you jump in a lake. So <laughs> first, no, really. And Drance is waiting. Drance is waiting on hold for all this. The first time Drance will have some sort of like weird take on this. <laughs> yeah, start prepping Drance because I got another anecdote. <laughs> so when he jumped into the ocean, his phone was done. Like it came out and it got to like nine thousand degrees, mm-hmm. and we're like throw it in rice and it cooked the rice. That's how hot it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice meal though. <laughs> and, then, and then he, he made ju- a stir fry. It was good. And then he jumped in lake water, and the phone was okay. It survived. So there's got to be something with maybe like how corrosive salt water is. I don't know. I didn't do the research. All right. Yeah. So anyway. What a surprise. There was no salt in my bath. So Are you did. sure? 
Epsom salts. Epsom salts, nice. salts yeah. <laughs> need to relax. I hope that tummy ache. Uh, joining us now, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drance? I, uh, I did a jump off a boat into the water with not just my phone, but wallet and keys <laughs> yep. um, on my way back from like Thormanby, so mm-hmm. like just off the Sunshine Coast. And to make it worse, uh, I don't remember what the exact context was, but somehow before I ran, I jumped off the boat, I yelled, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow 420. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and um, very, very quickly, like the moment I hit the water, Some I regret. knew I, I was, yeah, and I was the DD. The oh. worst part about it is I was stone sober and the DD, <laughs> and now I didn't have my keys. So we had uh, a, a lengthy, like, hour and a half to sort of ride to get back to, or journey, frankly, <laughs> to get back to the Airbnb, the keys of which I'd lost. Um, Drans so yeah, in the water, some regrets. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. Regrets, I have two, really. It's the keys. <laughs> the keys is right at the top of that list. Okay, let's, oh, focus, yeah. let's focus on the hockey here. Big day yesterday. We spent a lot of time talking about Quinn Hughes as the captain. I think we've explored almost every avenue as it pertains to this. But when you for, put it this way, 8.13 in the morning, news comes out. There's a press conference approximately 12 minutes later. Like they wanted to get this done and they wanted to get it. They wanted to get it done, signed, sealed and delivered so they could move on to the business of winning hockey games. That was my takeaway. Was that yours? Yeah, it was. I, I liked that part of it, to be totally honest with you. I liked that it was understated. I liked that there wasn't any suspense uh, or any like whiff of a distraction hanging over this team in terms of answering any training camp questions about it, in terms of there being any speculation whatsoever, clarified this is the leadership group, no need for a ceremony or, or, or pomp and circumstance, just Quinn Hughes is our captain and let's move forward with that. Um, you know, I thought all of that made a ton of sense, especially given, you know, where this team's at, um, what this team needs to accomplish, the fact that the less speculation, the less drama there is around this team, the better this upcoming year. Like, honestly, I think probably one of the biggest things that I want to see from this team is to have, like, a focused, relatively drama-free, I mean, as much as that's possible in this market, um, season. You know, especially after the last three years, which have just been, you know, unrelenting in terms of the volume, the decibel level um, on non-hockey stuff that surrounded this group almost constantly. I I thought that was a a nice move. I thought that made sense. And and obviously, I think it reflects, too, you know, the the steady personality, right, that that you'd hope Quinn Hughes is able to sort of loan this hockey team, right, input on this hockey team Mm. as their captain. Hey, Drance, where is this team at? When you look at this team on paper – and when you think about where they've been at in terms of things like culture, et cetera, yeah. where is this team at? Yeah, I was thinking about this a little bit the other day because it, it actually, I, I have this instinctive, reflexive distaste for when management types, especially early in their tenure, talk about culture, just because, you know, I I believe that culture is something that's built, but I think more than that, it's something you prove, you know, like you think about like heat culture, right? Yeah. And the thing about heat culture is no one ever believes in it. And then it's like, Oh, they're in the Eastern conference final. (laughs) Right. 
right? Like it's something they prove game after game, year after year, grinding out these wins with no matter what injuries they have, no matter what. Um, So culture gets sort of thrown around willy nilly. But for me, it's something that you have to go out and prove. And in the case of the Canucks, I mean, where are they at? I look at a team and sort of see this club being positioned, not unlike they've been positioned, uh, certainly the last two years. I would not say the last three years, because I think going into that bubble season, there were reasons to think they were demonstrably worse than the team that had had the bubble playoff success given the the departures. The last two seasons, they've made changes where you could look at the roster and be like, okay, if things break right, this team has a shot. And, And I still think that's where they're at, right? I mean, by... Uh, point total over-unders. They're sixth in the Pacific heading into the season per Vegas, right? Um, And yet you could easily see things breaking right for this team and then being a playoff team. But I I think it's just about equally likely, frankly, that things break poorly for them. And once again, and we're having some of the same conversations. I mean, hopefully not the same conversations as early as we have the last two years. But you know, I, I could see it breaking against them again because, for me, I see this team as sort of, you know, somewhere in that 90 to 92-point range on true talent. And when you're a 90 to 92-point team on true talent, you can easily be a 100-point team. I, I, you know, I'd say this is what happened to the Seattle Kraken last year. Sure. Right? But you can also be an 83-point team because guess what? I thought the Canucks were roughly a 90-point true talent team last year. And they had 83 points, and that required, like, a furious finish to accomplish. Um so, you know, I sort of see this team as having the same story. And, and I think where I get, like, where my overarching criticism of, you know, their, their refusal to rebuild and the, the sort of stasis we've seen and, you know, trading futures o- over the course of the past 12 months to upgrade the defense and on and on, like, where, where all of that sort of congeals, right? Like, the main point for me is not, wow, this team can't make the playoffs. Like, I absolutely think they have a shot to make the playoffs mm-hmm. with how they're constructed. It's, can you move that sort of true talent bubble toward, you know, being like a 105-point true talent team, right? Like, can you get to that point where you're a real contender, where things, where, where if things break right for you, you're not the Seattle Kraken, but you're the Boston Bruins last year, right? Where, like, everything breaks right in the regular season is like, Oh wow, they're historically good, right? Or right. or wow, that team's really special. Um, that's the level that I, I like. I don't know what the path to get there is, given you know the fact that the team, like even once again this off season, right? You, you buy out Oliver Ekman Larson and you effectively proportion that cap space to you know Susie Cole Bluger um, and and P.S. Suter, and yeah, I mean that makes you better this year and those deals at least aren't long-term and don't like hamstring you, but you still got, you know, a fair bit of money committed to some players who are not, not young, right. You've still got sort of dark clouds looming on the horizon in the future. You still don't have a good enough prospect system uh, given how frequently you've missed the playoffs the last five years. Uh, is there a path to this team being great? That's sort right. of where I tend to think, you know, at least I don't see it. And, and I think we need to see, you know, like the, the idea of the playoffs being the bar this year is one that I kind of find a little distasteful. Like I want to see a path 12 months from now, right? Like 
eight months from now, as the season unfolds, I want to see a team where I, I, I can look at it and say, hey, there's a path to this team leveling up that I didn't recognize. There's a ceiling here that, that, that you know, I, I think has surprised us. What is the, uh, that's what, what I want to see. Drance, what is the biggest roadblock for them to become a great team? Like, let's, let's, let's even be really kind to the Canucks and say right now on paper, they are a good team. They are a playoff team. What is the biggest roadblock to them becoming a great team? I'm playing devil's advocate here because I worry. Yeah, no, I worry about the same things, right? I I, yeah. I I I worry about like I think people in this market in some ways have forgotten how high the bar is to being a Stanley Cup contender. What is their biggest roadblock to getting there? Well, look, I think so. I think a team if this team was able to come out next season, right, and and these pieces hit a lot of the pieces that they brought in, a lot of these players that they brought in are able to hit to, you know, sort of their fifth percentile best outcome, right? Sure. 95th percentile best outcome. And so you've got like a Philip Peronic season where his impact on this blue line looks like, uh, you know, a less marauding Brandon Montour in, in Florida, right? Where, uh, Thatcher Demko stays healthy and plays, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say Vesna level, but like 9-15, 60 games. Sure. And is healthy going into the playoffs and actually like plays his best in the playoffs. Doesn't look gassed toward the end of the year. JT Miller absolutely cannot look like he's even close to sort of hitting the slide on the aging curve, right? Uh, Pedersen needs to do it again. Kuzmenko needs to do it again. Um, Quinn Hughes just needs to be Quinn Hughes. And I think if all of that happens and like a couple of these guys, whether it's Hoaglander or Pod Colson, take like not, not the leap to being like everyday middle six guy, but like at least one of them takes the leap where it's like, oh my goodness, this, could, this guy could be, you know, at the very least a really good second line forward. And honestly, I think you probably need one more like hit, one more guy to pop. Maybe it's like, and not not Pop is like a top of the lineup guy, but Top is like Pop is like a guy with real potential. Maybe that's Akito Hirose. Maybe that's Aiden McDonough. But like one more guy who's cheap labor who pops and is like, oh, that guy's a player. And then I still think you need one of Valander, Lakaramaki, or Atu Ratu, and ideally two of them to also pop, so that we're talking about them as like top fifty um nhl prospects and and in blander's case like top 10 nhl prospects a year mm-hmm. and i think if all of that happens we're definitely going to be talking about this team in a different way um but it's a it's a lot to ask right like it's an awful lot to ask when you talk about dark clouds looming what is the darkest cloud well the, it's the miller deal right like at the end of the day you know this team buys out ekman larson and yet there's real potential that they've got sort of that next deal already on the books, right? right. I, and yeah. this is nothing about JT Miller personally some, or, or, or who he is as a player so much as like 30-year-old NHL player. This is the first year of his new extension, right? I know, I know it happened 12 months ago, but this is year one. Like this is year one um, of, of a guy who absolutely was not last season at the level of an $8 million player. Now I know people will say 82 points, like point per game, but it's like, man, you watched the first half of the season. Like I did, right? Like it's, it just wasn't close. Like it was a, you know, five and a half, $6 million power play specialist in terms of his overall contributions last year. And then the last 25 games, he looked sensational. And if he looks like that all year, 
then great. Then then you've then you've got a win in the first year of the extension, and you better have a win in the first year of a seven year extension for a thirty year old player. But you know, there's there's also a real chance based on the history of the game, based on aging curves, that this is a very risky, frankly reckless um, bet that the Canucks have placed, uh, and that could you know really be problematic team building wise uh, going forward. Now, I'm sure the answer to that in your inbox is going to be. Um, well, the cap's going to go up, but, you know, once again, cap goes up for everyone and an inefficient bet, um, you know, it may not hurt you as, as much as uh, it does in a, in a flat cap situation going forward, but it certainly helps your rivals more <laughs> if they don't have those commitments on the books. We're speaking to Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Drancer, I want you to settle a debate that we were having. Um we were talking about Quinn Hughes, and my theory was, yeah, he's the team's best player, so naming him the captain is smart. And then we had a debate. Andy says the Canucks' best player is Elias Pettersson. Laddie says, shockingly, that it's Thatcher Demko. I said Hughes, obviously. And then we asked Bruff to vote, and he gave some wishy-washy answer about no, I said hard Pettersson. work and dedication. I don't no, remember I what didn't, it was. I didn't. It was, so hard work and dedication. it was so inconsequential I said, of Petey's answer. the best player, but Hughes is the most impactful because of the minutes that he plays. Settle the debate. Right. Who's the Canucks' best player? I mean, yeah, it, it, it is a tough one because, like, best player, right? And then you have to figure out, like, is it most valuable? Like, is it overall value? Did you factor in the rarity of the profile? On and on. Um, I think I think for me it would probably be Elias Pettersson. Well, but, well, well. But <laughs> well, Drance is always wrong though, so you know that's a uh, point. <laughs> well, Alfred, Laddie, Laddie's Demko take. That's the one where it's like, dude, can can, can he have a workhorse like a full, you know, nose to tail workhorse starting goaltender season before we say he's better than a fringe Norris? candidate and uh 24 year old center who just scored 100 points like come on laddie yeah, just laddie. calling his effort and durability into question yep. wow <laughs> sorry someone someone, <laughs> someone draw another bath for laddie because he's not feeling yeah. great don't forget we are talking to a man who jumped into the water dead sober with his wallet keys and phone so <laughs> we'll true. take it all with a grain of salt um <laughs> grain of epsom salt. no but the 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 thing though that i you know i keep coming back to like you know, one thing, and the Canucks always have to have one of these at a press conference, but, like, one line that was repeated frequently was, like, Hughes, Demko, Miller, Pedersen, any of them could have been up here as captain, right? And it's like, no, that's not true, right? Like, you, you know you're not naming Demko captain. We've done that before in this market. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. Um, Pedersen, with his contract situation, like, that would have been a real leap of faith. Uh, JT Miller as captain, you know, I, I don't think that would have been a serious consideration. Like there was only one guy that this team could have named captain. And regardless of what you think, whether you think Patterson or, or Hughes is the best player on the team, they're, they're both amazing players. The, the one thing that I do think Hughes has that, you know, certainly none of the other elite core group has is, you know, he, he's the steadiest, right? Like every night, you know that Quinn Hughes is going to be in the lineup and he's going to do Quinn Hughes stuff and he's going to keep improving. And it's just like, you don't even have to worry about him. He's just, he's just Quinn Hughes and he does Quinn Hughes stuff. And there's certainly value and consistency like that. Transfer. Thanks bud. This was awesome. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next week. No regrets. No regrets. See you buddy. Thomas Trance from the athletic Vancouver and 
Canucks Army. Maybe the bigger, no, Canucks, maybe, uh, Canucks Talk, sorry. Canucks, Canucks Army. Army. I think maybe, he wrote there once. He was, he was drafted out of Canucks Army, I think. There you go. That, maybe, was, a, maybe, that was his junior club. From CA. Yeah, okay. Maybe anyway. the best player is the friends we made along the way. God. I've been thinking about JT Miller's role on the team going forward, and I think Quinn Hughes should make him his henchman. Sure. Do you know in the in the James Bond movies where there's the villain? So there's like the head villain. Yep. And then that head villain always has a henchman. Mm-hmm. Like JT Miller would be the perfect henchman. Yep. Right? You'd be like, I'm Quinn Hughes, I'm the captain, and I'm the mastermind of all this. Mm-hmm. But if I need some dirty work, I'm going to lean on my JT Miller henchman. Miller needs yeah. to start curling his mustache if that's going to happen. Yeah. But the hand, wait, wait, wait. Or if that, you get like a, he could get, he, he could get like a hat, like the odd job hat. <laughs> you could get, get like a throwing hat. A little bowling hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one of those things. Like, little, wouldn't that be perfect? Little, like, like, cutting edges, you could throw it at players. I like, Qu- Quinn, needs, Quinn needs to uh, weaponize JT Miller's personality in, the, needs in a, the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Hughes needs a cat the right on the way. bench. He's like on, a, on the bench with a cat. Yeah. JT Miller's just stroking the mustache. JT, go deal with this. Excellent choice, sir. The henchman also has to be willing, right? Like, the henchman. Oh, I think asks, he's willing. Never asks willing. any questions. Yeah, he's got to be a yes right? man. He's yeah. got to be Agree very with loyal. Everything. Yeah. Very loyal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like uh, it. I like your theory. JT Miller. JT Miller is going to be really interesting to watch this season. JT, um, remember? Listen, I, I think contracts when when players get into their thirties can be really tough. Okay, they can be. We've seen it. We've seen the evidence. Like people text in. This one guy's texting into the show. He's like, JT Miller's contract is going to be fine. Oh, okay. Well, as long as you say so, right? There's statistical evidence out there that players get significantly less valuable as they get into their 30s. You know, and and it, people are going to scream and moan about the Louis Erickson comparison, but Louis Erickson was a really good player before he came to the Canucks. He was a really good player. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, as long as they get, you know, a few good years out of this contract, it'll be okay. They didn't get one. Yeah. And that was the same year. And if you don't want to say, okay, well, Louis Erickson is a comparable uh, player. Well, how about all the other players that were signed that summer that are around the same age as JT Miller is right now, and those contracts went sour real quick. The NHL is a young man's game. It is so fast. Yeah, but it's going to be different with JT. Oh, well, it's going to be. Oh, yeah, well, because that texture said so. This time. Aging player will get better. This time it'll this be fine. Time. I don't. Well, want, I don't mean to start drama. Drama here. Drama. 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 Let's drama. go. With drama. drama. I don't mean drama. to start drama here, but do you think JT Miller was mad he wasn't named captain? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure sounds like you're starting do you, drama. Do you think that's like a thing? Or I'm not am I just lie. like jumping? Okay. I don't think so. Here? He I'm doesn't, not, he I'm doesn't not gonna, care one way or the other. I won't lie because I see what you asked, and I like that you. I was just wondering it. if maybe he was like, you oh, preface well, it with like, me. I'm angry. You did like the prefacing with like, no offense to anyone, but I'm about to. Trying to start a thing. But here's a, a very question. dramatic, speculative <laughs> statement. Well, I had a question when Bruff was running through all the questions that I put together for the Hughes captaincy. I did have one in there, and I was like, we have to talk about it at some point. We can do that maybe in the 8 o'clock hour. Like, do you think Petey cared that it wasn't him? I think, think I think he's happy. That's maybe, I, yeah. And I'm I, not, I never got the vibe. Yeah, I don't, I didn't I don't either. I never got the vibe Pedersen wanted like, it at all. Yeah, like, look at the way he's dealt with his contract. He's like, I don't want to think about this. Because yeah. it's just like, we had Bruce Boudreaux on the show, right? Like last week. He was in a car dealership for the majority of the call. And we asked, who would you name if you were the captain? He's like, well, I think you know who my choice is. And it was Pedersen, right? Horvat, mm-hmm. when he left after that, hey, who should be the next captain? And he said, Pedersen. So it's out. I mean, it's. 
I don't know if Pedersen cared that his former head coach and former captain both said, you should be the next guy. But he was obviously in the running for it. He's obviously in contention for it. So I don't know. He might not care. You might be right. I like this. Dan in Fort St. John. I never used to understand why players dropped off after 30. Now I'm 34 and I get it. (laughs) A lot of people saying, how about Pavelski? They have similar profiles. Yeah, some guys make it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a gamble. There's way less Pavelskis, right? though, way than less Pavelskis. everyone else. Like. Yeah. Uh, I like this Marcus and Gibson's. JT Miller just has to be our Jamie Moyer. Yeah. I haven't heard a Jamie Moyer reference Throwing for a while. 35-mile-an-hour fastballs. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you you the best. And rough. What I'm talking about is people that are saying like Hughes is either too small or too weak or too diminutive or doesn't have the the prototypical big presence of a captain well, in look, the NHL. What did the Winnipeg Jets just do? They just gave it to Adam Lowry, right? Hmm. Their best player. Oh, <laughs> so when it comes down, when it comes time for uh, an important Pedersen is the Canucks' best player, by the way. Pedersen's not the Canucks' he best is. player. Yes, no. He is. No, yes, I will debate this. I will debate this wrong thoroughly. Wrong. Hughes is a better playmaker than Pedersen. The numbers yeah. bear that out. Yes. Yeah. Pedersen's a better goal scorer. They're different. Yeah, yeah, he's on the ice. defenseman wants a centerman. It's Demko anyway, guys. It's Relax. not Demko. <laughs> what happened to the season last year after Demko? It's whoever they had no is structure. Okay. It's whoever is playing the best. That's their best player. I think. I think structure is their best player. Structure is their and accountability as well. So we got we got votes right now. I say. Hughes, Laddie say, says Demko, and Andy says Pedersen. When he is on his game, this. you have to vote. I think, is I the think, it's, I think vote. it's. I think it's really difficult. I. I, I think. <sighs> I think. Don't do that. No, no, no. Seriously, well, get I'm an just, opinion, loser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Petey's the better player, but I think Quinn has more of an impact because of the minutes he plays. That's fair. <laughs> what about the minutes Demko plays? <laughs> yeah, and also All Demko. Wrong, thinking right. about Demko. Yeah, also Demko is wrong. Um, no, like <laughs> anyway. T- but when I Pedersen's think. on his game, he's their yeah. best player. When if he's not on his game, game I'm sure okay, it's Hughes. It's all based on who's playing the best. You know, you know what the the interesting thing is. Like we can have this debate, and it's just, and it's. I think you can make the argument for PD or Hughes sure. or even Demko, right? And so. This is what Patrick Alvin will look at. Like, look at these guys you're arguing about. You're arguing about really good players, and they're both on the Canucks. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter who's best. Only only thing that matters is they're both on the Canucks. What I think is interesting for me is the debate between not between the players on the Canucks. It's like, where does PD stack up against... Or how, let's say a duo of Petey and Hughes, how does that stack up against McDavid and Dreisaitl? Mm-hmm. How does that stack up against uh, McKinnon and McCarr? Because that's the bar that the Canucks want to get to. And one of the things that maybe we'll talk about with Drance is his opinion, and I kind of share it, is like, are the Canucks be able going to be able to turn into a great team? Mm-hmm. Like, do well, they have like Hughes isn't quite McCarr yet, and Petey isn't quite McDavid well, or Matthews? No one's going to be McDavid. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying right? in terms of that echelon, like the, the, the tier list. Is Hughes ever right? going to get to that McCarr level? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I hope so. <laughs> well, the Canucks are banking on it. <laughs> yeah, right? I hope so. The Canucks are the Canucks are really invested in this. And but as if, of right now, there's a separation, right? 
like Hughes isn't with Carr yet. There's a clear separation. Right? There's a and clear separation. And obviously Pedersen isn't in that the, the Matthews yeah. tier list yet, or Dreisaitl or whatever. He's close, though. David. Yeah, he's close. Right. Yeah, and and that's and that's what we're gonna find out this season. Like, can they? I'm gonna use another Drance level up, like, mm-hmm. and take it. So my question is like, can he be even better? I know he's already good. Can he be even better? Can Petey be even better? And then, of course, you you talk about JT Miller, and the big concern is, well, he's 30 now. Can he maintain the level he's at? And frankly, he needs to be better. His season last year was very inconsistent. Started out not very good, ended pretty well. So what is this team? For me, it's, it's like, I, I, I don't know. There are so many wild cards at stake here. What will the new leadership group do to help the cause? Mm -hmm. Will they create this new culture that helps the team? Because they very much lost the culture Mm -hmm. for a number of years. And I don't think you can say the culture is back yet. That would be way too presumptive to say that the culture is back. We haven't seen it, right? It's great that the guys are here early. Showing up is half the battle. But what is it going to look like going forward? How are they going to deal with adversity? In a way, I think it's great that their first two games against are against the Oilers. Let's test them right off the bat. Because if they go 0-2 to start the season, how are they going to react to that when they go out on the road? They start against Edmonton at home, then they go to Edmonton, and then they play a few more games on the road. It surely shouldn't affect. If you have a strong culture, it really shouldn't affect you what happens one way or the other. If you lose those games or you win those games, you've just got a process that you stick to. You work hard. You don't worry about it too much. You don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low. The problem with the Canucks is they let the lows get too low. And that is going to be the challenge for Rick Tockett, Mm -hmm. for the new leadership group, and for the organization as a whole that has tended to make things worse when they were already bad. Mm-hmm. Knows Jim Rutherford hasn't been heard from for, for a long, long time. Where is Jim? I know he wasn't at the press conference the, uh, yesterday. It was it was Alvin Tockett and Quinn Hughes. Jim Rutherford is supposedly everyone's boss. He's the president of hockey ops. Haven't heard from him at all. And I think one of the reasons is he kept making things worse Damn. when he opened his mouth. Well, he said he was. We're not going to hear from him. Exactly. He is the, exactly. I, I wouldn't expect that we will. He is the omniscient narrator of this. But whole that's thing crazy. Now. He's the president of hockey ops, and he's like, I, I won't talk anymore. I yeah. wish he would. It was awesome. But, <laughs> it was amazing yeah. for us. But you know what? I could care if it works. I don't care. He could never show up. He could just be like one of those guys that does everything on an intercom all day, and you never see his face. As long as it works, who cares? <laughs> to the phone lines, we go. Very happy to be joined by our next guest. He is the assistant coach of the Vancouver Canucks, longtime NHL defenseman Adam Foot here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sports. And that's 650. Morning, Adam. How are you? I'm good, guys. How you doing? We're good. Um, it's good yep. to chat with you. We've been we've been trying to get you on the show for, for a while now. Um, let's start with the news about Quinn Hughes yesterday being named captain. Um, been working with Quinn for just a little while now. What have you noticed about him? Well, I mean, I'm first I'm just happy for him. I mean, well deserved. I I, I didn't know what to expect when I came in to work with him. And um, right out of the gate, I really liked the interaction. And um, I saw how much he wants to keep getting better and, and um, you know, absorb information and and learn. And and I love this compete. So there's a lot of great things that I saw right away. And uh, he's fun to be around. And uh, it was a good day for him and his family. And it's well-deserved. 
What are the toughest challenges for an NHL captain in a Canadian market? You've been a captain before in the NHL uh, in Columbus and Colorado. Um, compare that to what players in Canada go through. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You know, he's playing a lot in Colorado. Geez, see Saka gets a hat trick and they show him one goal and there's two clips and it's off, right? The, the news is off. So up here, everything's so dissected and, and, um, you know, it's it's something that's always going to be there. And it's funny you ask me that question. Talking to Quinn yesterday, it's, it's it doesn't matter. You you can't hop on the roller coaster of the emotions of how you do in one week or you know the start of a season or uh, you know an injury, anything. You've got to just stay as a leader, um, relatively calm, and show your calmness. And uh, when the waters get a little rough, because they're going to get rough here and there. It's a long season, right? And, um, you know, they're not as choppy as sometimes it sounds like out there. And I think, uh, you know, talk's been great at that, uh, keeping the guys calm and uh, keyed and focused on what we need to do as far as our own individual jobs, but as a team so that we can just stay uh, emotionally level. And uh, that'll be something playing in a Canadian market like this that uh, will always be there, but something I'm sure Quinn and the rest of the guys will get used to. And um, he's been around it a, a, a lot now, and we talk about it, him and I, here and there, and um, he's got a pretty good handle on it. What does Rick Tockett do to keep things calm? Well, he's prepared, and um, preparation, I think, keeps things calm. And, um, you know, uh, that's the number one for me, but I think he's – the guys see that he the passion, but he's empathetic, too, towards them, and, and that creates trust with the players. and. Uh, they trust them that the game plan will work and that uh, he's got their best interest in mind. And uh, that for sure, there's a good feel. Like you can just, you can feel the buzz in the air of these players coming in. And a bunch of them came in yesterday to support Quinn in the announcement. And there was excitement to get this thing started. And uh, you can hear it in their voice and what they're expressing. And uh, I think that's the passion and how bad they can see how bad uh, talk wants to win. Uh, you mentioned Joe Sackick earlier. So he was, the, it's crazy. He was the captain for nearly 20 years in between Quebec and Colorado and like widely considered one of the greatest captains, not just of his era, but of all time. He obviously won the Stanley Cup. So you got to like play alongside and watch him lead for a long, long time. Uh, what was it about Sackick? What attribute did he have that made him such a good captain? I know it's probably because he's from Burnaby and all great things come from there, but how, you know, when it comes to his leadership abilities, what was the one thing that you saw that put him in a class above the rest? I just love the way he said Burnaby because like, I think my answer has to be more expressive and energy because uh, a lot of people from Burnaby is going to hear this remark, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we were lucky. Like Joe, you know, when I got to Quebec, we were just starting. Joe was there, uh, I think, seven years. I was there four. And he, we were just starting to, like, get better. And he went through the hard years, but he just kept working on his craft. And, um, you know, when Joe did something, he did it all in, whether he was working on a shot or, you know, the power play, whatever he did, he, he was a great pro. And I think for me watching Joe, he was consistent in his work ethic, um, his practice, you know, great players, great leaders have to come out and uh, practice hard and they've got to be that pro show up on time and uh, study the game. And he was all that. 
And what I really remember about Joe that I loved was it didn't matter if we were playing in a hard building on the road or if we're playing in a, you know, a quiet building where, you know, there wasn't much buzz going on. He knew to step it up and, and get us going as far as playing the right way. And um, I just wa- loved watching him evolve. He, he kept trying to get better. Um, and that, that came to us like, you know, and when Wah came, Wah challenged them. I've never seen a guy be such a great practice player in Wah that he just wouldn't let that guy score in practice. And uh, I, I never saw that at that level. And I think he actually showed us even more how to be such a great practice player so you don't have to turn on the switch when the, game, the pucks dropped. And I loved the competition I saw for years. Like, Joe would want to score on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was going back and forth, back and forth. And it made us better, and our compete and practice was at such a high level. And that's something where Quinn last year, when talk came in, I think he changed it with a lot of the group, and it's got it's going to get better, but still work to do. Doesn't happen overnight, but the the practice habits and starting on time, and and I've not seen it before with a coach, but I like the way Rick uh, starts sometimes with a hard physical uh, drill rather than you know warming up into it. Uh, which means the guys come come a little bit earlier and get be ready to practice, practice right? Just like when the puck drops in a game, you've got to be ready. So I really like that look, and I think Quinn practices hard. He's a young guy, but I think you're going to see him, and I saw it at the end of last year, he, he cared about his execution every single pass. You know, he, he cared of running the right routes and, and making the right play. So that's one thing with Sackick and Wah that I learned and guys like Mike Keane, we were surrounded with good leaders. I was very fortunate and, um, you know, we can go on and on about how, you know, those guys were great leaders, but it uh, definitely helped us win, win some uh, games. Do you tell the old war stories once in a while to the younger players and talk about the, the type of team you had in, in, in Colorado, the leadership, the talent, the commitment, and also some of the, uh, let's say spirited games that you guys had with the Red Wings? You know, once once I gained their trust and if they brought it up, right, like um, usually it's in a different setting after practice in the trainer's room or the, the gym or, you know, but always when um, and only if they want to discuss it, right? Um, there's nothing worse than watching the next player play do the play-by-play or the color commentating. <laughs> He's talking about <laughs> how he blocked that shot, right? No one wants to hear it, you know? So um, we have some fun and I think it's more of, when they gain your trust, you can tell the stories where it's it's genuine and uh, they can take something out of it. Well, let's talk about the defensive side of game for the Canucks this season. Uh, you know, the eye tests and the statistics showed a defensive improvement. Uh, when Rick and you came in, uh, there was more commitment to defense. Um, what needs to continue to happen to get even better and to make sure that things like the penalty kill aren't such a problem for the team? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when we came in, we watched some games before we came in, and, and there was little things that were going on that were we were kind of hurting ourselves with just, you know, I don't want to get into too many details, but, you know, the, uh, the changes. We, we we wouldn't have good changes. We'd have, um, you know, we'd put put the next guy coming out in a tough spot, and then they all, you don't want to start every shift defending, um, you know, and then, uh, the relationship between the forwards and the defensemen, especially the theft three of, of the trust factor where you don't want your D backing off too much, right? And it, the trust wasn't there. Um, 
to, you know, so you hold that line where you don't necessarily want to go back and play in your end all the time. But there's a time to play in your end and fall fall between the dots for sure uh, on the situation. But I think that trust and then, you know, little things like the de-gapping up and things like that. We can go on and on about the little things that mm-hmm. can make us play more connected as a group of five. And I think we saw that happen more and we're going to keep working on that. Um, as far as PK, you know, we picked up some, I think we picked up some older guys that, that are, have been good on the penalty kill. And there's some, you know, when you have a few older guys on the team that can teach the young guys some of the details, um, it's nice. And and their their experience, their wisdom um, will, will help as well. And, you know, we all know that if Demko wasn't hurt, it would have been better, right? Uh, no knock against the other guys. But um, you miss a guy at that caliber, your top goal, he's going to, he's, it's, it's, they're your best penalty killer. And um, I thought, Yozzi and the staff really uh, tweaked a few things, um, you know, and that helped out as well. So uh, that's definitely going to have to be better than penalty kill. But I think uh, our group in general, uh, we're starting to play more as a unit of five, whether we're, it doesn't matter what zone we're in. We're talking to Adam Foote, assistant coach for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Defensive pairings. Do you have an idea? Does the coaching staff have an idea in mind of what the pairings they want to look like? Or are you going into training camp in the preseason with an open mind and try a bunch of things with a bunch of new players? Yeah, I think we're going to do what you just said is, is, is try a bunch of things. Uh, see who, you know, maybe after day one or day four, maybe it'll be two weeks for a while. I like that. You know, I like how they play together, how they move together. Um, you know, and we're always open to like right now, I don't know what will work completely. I have an idea, which I just don't think it's the right thing to share. Right sure. now. Right. But, What's your lineup? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, talk, talk will, will kill me. If right. I, <laughs> at the end of the day, he's gotta, he's gotta say that's all okay. But we're going to have discussion and through camp and evaluate and, um, you know, some guys play better with other guys and, and there's matchups. And right now my gut says, I think we'll have three pairs where the matchups could change from game. You know, is this top line of power, have a hard power forward to play against uh, our, our opponent, or is it more speed and or creativity like the Marner Matthews line, right? Um, you know, or is it going to be just uh, in the trenches and a grind? So could it be a better matchup for another pairing? So I think that's something we might see happen. You know, my gut says that's probably going to happen, but. Um, We'll, we'll make the adjustments as we go, but uh, it's going to be an interesting next two, three weeks to really, I guess I'd answer it a little bit different after three weeks and watching them together. Uh, we haven't had a ton of chances to see Philip Peronic play. It was just four games before he was shut down, but you obviously got to see uh, a little bit more, probably much more than the average viewer or listener. Um, based on what you saw, and I know you talked up his skill set when you first kind of watched him play, uh, what are you excited about watching him and seeing him do this season? Well, it's funny you said that because we've been watching him. I wanted, because he, he was a little bit hurt when he was here, right? So, I just went back to watch. I wanted to watch some, you know, his clips of Detroit. Um, he's got that skill set. He's got for sure. He's got it. And I've been watching, going, wow, okay. Like he's got the skill set. And there's certain things I think that are. I wouldn't say he needs to fix anything, but just give him ideas. If you haven't had even more success, for example, exaggerating a box out down low, right? He the puck moves high, low to high. Just extend that coverage. Uh, keeps you out of trouble. He he can. 
he really had a he can play um I'm trying to find the right word he can play not loose but because uh, he could recover with his speed, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. there's certain right. areas where you have to defend a little bit longer and, and, and just focus on that one guy until things settle down behind you. Just little things like that. And um, But, like, the skill set. And he seems like uh, – we've had a lot of discussion. He seems like a guy that wants to absorb. And, and you know, it's not a lot of things. So we, we discuss it and with all the D. It's just a few things of recoveries and weak side awareness, things like that, scan the ice and – He's got the skill set, so if we can tweak some little things in, in, in a partnership and be on a you know on his side, I think he, we could see some really good stuff. Uh, Adam, thanks for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Best of luck with the training camp and preseason and everything else. Best of luck with the start of the season mm-hmm. as well, because as I understand it, it's going to be a very important start to the season for the Canucks. Well, yeah, I mean, every season for every team, you want to have a good start, uh, but we're just going to focus on what we can do to make that happen and uh, keep level-headed for whatever happens. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks for having me. Thanks. That's uh, Adam Foote, Canucks assistant coach here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Level-headed. Hashtag the start. Yeah, hashtag the start. Level-headed. Hashtag uh, composure. I was trying to find a <laughs> Do you get the feeling that that's like the, the some new buzzwords? Like, we can't... Oh. We, we got that Will Ferrell clip. It's like, we can't be freaking out here. We gotta keep our I composure. Came, I was trying to workshop what type of start it needs to be, and then I came up with structured start. <laughs> it's like, we need a structured start to the season, guys. It can't be all loosey-goosey. We need all the details and structure. Structured the ca- start. That's the cana- what they need. The Canucks are kind of doing like, uh, you know when you'd promote a big fight, and you'd be like, Oh, it's going to be crazy. Like, these are two brawlers. They're like doing the, what's the opposite of promotion, right? It's just like, we want right. we want this to be the most boring TV show yep. ever. That's right? true. Just, this just go trailer out. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's a lot two of, guys enter, both guys leave yeah. amicably. And everyone keeps their head. Are they shaking hands? <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, um, they, just want, they just want everything. Because I think, like, Adam made a really good point he's like and he, and he was talking about the things that we were saying about Quinn Hughes and how the team is going to affect adversity like bad things are going to happen sure when you go into the season knowing that and you're like you know and I, I always compare it to um you know we got to get off to a good start in a game right well what happens if you don't do you just give up you're like oh well I guess we're screwed um, right and because sometimes that can happen and if you go into a game um, thinking more along the lines of like, hey, we're prepared. We did all the work we could, so we're going to feel good about that. Now, there's nothing to say that we do all this preparation and we go into the game and right off the opening face-off, our D-man breaks a stick and all of a sudden it's a two-on-one the other way and they score. And all that preparation is just like, oh, well... That's unlucky. Yeah. Like you have to be able to handle that sort of thing. And I think where the Canucks have fallen short is in a lot of ways, but specifically that. Like when things get worse or uh, when things get bad, they've gotten even worse for this team. Okay. Uh speaking of things going bad for sports teams, it's a perfect segue into what we learns. Uh we'll rattle off a couple here prior to the break, then we'll come back and do the humanoids. Uh, I do want to start with what we learned, and this is now official, and we just learned it 18 minutes ago. The New York Jets have confirmed that four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers, their prized shiny new quarterback acquisition, suffered a complete tear 
of his left Achilles tendon on Monday Night Football. He will miss the remainder of the regular season. His Jets season lasted exactly four snaps. Four snaps before he tore his Achilles and is done for the year. Four snaps and a tear. God, Andy. <laughs> God. Horn went out for Dom right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a ghoul. Uh, okay. Greg Wyshynski, too. Big Jets fan. Yeah. Greg and Dom. Yep. Two guys that I've, I texted Dom last night. And he said that that is probably going to be, in a weird way, the high and low point of the season altogether at once, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating dynamic. Um, I'll say this. Whether you like Aaron Rodgers or not, whether you roll your eyes at the way that he conducts his business, whether you kind of were like, is this guy serious with the darkness retreat? He is one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, and he was going to a franchise that was so desperate, so desperate to capitalize on this great defense and have a very good all-time signal caller. It sucks from... The standpoint of maybe the most intriguing storyline in the NFL this season is ruined after yeah. four snaps. Mm-hmm. It sucks that we now are facing a primetime schedule <laughs> littered with New York Jets games. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I feel bad for the NFL marketing team. Like, their you, entire offseason was poured into this. Yeah. Guy. Can we flex out week two? <laughs> You're allowed to start flexing in week five. Okay. I'm just, I, it's out there. It's out there on Twitter. Lots of people and, have. And if you don't know, flexing means you take a game from the primetime and you put it down into not the primetime. Yeah, like, I didn't even know there was Wednesday afternoon football, but <laughs> the Jets are there now. So you can flex twice between weeks five and ten, and then any time after eleven. So, so week four they've got KC on Sunday night. Football. That sucks. That would have been an awesome game. Yeah, Rogers, Mahomes, Sunday night football, classic AFC, gone, gone. And th- like I watched Zach Wilson play football last night, and it became apparent within I don't know three or four series that they can't go forward with them because they had to strip the playbook down. Yeah. They went with like three plays. It was like playing tech mobile. <laughs> like you get two passing plays and two running plays. That's it. <laughs> so I wonder what they're going to do about that. They're going to have to make some calls. But I've got, you know, okay. what's depressing when you're just like, what about Joe Flacco? I made a list. Joe Flacco. Do you want to hear Joe Flacco list? on the list? Joe Nathan, Rourke. Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke's not on the list. It is very unfair to go to Nathan Rourke and be like, we're going to acquire you, guy that's never played a regular season snap, <laughs> to save our season. All that's, of Canada is behind you. Also, you have no time to prep because we have a game on Sunday. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. Here's the list. Matt Ryan. Yikes. Matt Ryan is currently working as a broadcaster on CBS. Yeah. Carson Wentz. Mm. Carson Wentz played with the uh, w- with the Manders, the Washington Commanders. Yeah. I call them the Manders. <laughs> It's it's catching on. Uh, (laughs) He hasn't played this year. There's Joe Flacco, Mm -hmm. and there's Teddy Bridgewater. That's the list as far as I can tell. That's the list? That's it. What about Tom Brady? See. (laughs) Touchdown Tom? Tom Brady has a chance to do, like, one of the funniest things imaginable right now. I'm back, boys. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.